Our scripture that we are reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 13. And there are only a few verses, but when you read them, every time I read these words, they just hit a place in my heart that hurts sometimes because Simon Peter was such a devoted follower of Jesus. He loved him. He was willing to do anything for him. And yet we know that Peter also made mistakes, that he had failings, that he let Jesus down sometimes. And when it really came to the crux of the matter, he really let him down and failed him. But Jesus knew him. He loved him. He forgave him. And he gave him those second and third chances. We read this morning from chapter 13, verses 36 to 38. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows... You will disown me three times. May God add his blessings to this word, and may we be in an attitude of prayer. Lord, we know that we are all too much like Peter sometimes. We declare our love for you. We show it in many, many ways, but when we get to the tough times or get to those moments that we have to make that quick decision point, we sometimes fail you, and we sometimes don't always make the best choices. But, Lord, you forgive us. You give us those opportunities to come to you and repent and and ask forgiveness, and you give it so freely to us. And there's just no words to tell you how much and how grateful we are for that because you do love us and you you always give us a chance to reconcile with you and, and make things good. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for Pastor Keith, who is coming here this morning to deliver our message We're so grateful that he and the mission team are back and have come home safely. And we just thank you for all the wonderful work that they did in Haiti and all the wonderful experiences that they had that are just um, urging them and encouraging them to go back and do more and take more people back with them. So, Lord, as he comes to deliver the message this morning, give us words or give us hearts to listen and, and hear and receive what it is that he has to share with us this morning because it comes from you. And we thank you for the message that you have placed on his heart to share. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. It's good to be with you today. Now, I know that uh, we talked about this thing next Sunday at 4 o'clock. I I really want to just emphasize how much I would love to have you come. You'll hear a little bit about my trip, you know, and, and comments I make and things I show you from time to time. But... Next Sunday at 4, we're going to be given a very spe- special presentation. You'll see an amazing slideshow of some of the photographs and things that, we, that were taken down there. And you'll get to meet, uh, more importantly, you'll get to meet the, the other half of our team that came from uh, Christ United Methodist Church in Davenport. There were four of us from this body and, and six or seven from that church. And they've been doing these mission trips to Haiti for the last four or five years, I believe, and and uh, we got to be a part of this one, and there'll be there'll be many more to come. And they're gonna we're we're going there today to to present at that church tonight, and then next Sunday at four, their entire team is coming here to present to you. So they're they're making the trip, and I've been bragging about you guys. I've been telling them just wait till you get to meet the people at at, at First United Methodist Church in Marion. They are they are just wonderful people who are excited about what the Lord's doing. So they're coming and they're excited. And I, and I promise you won't be let down if you come. It's also at that point in time, 
we'll be sharing with you uh, how you can be getting involved in this ministry. And, and uh, there's already works on the next trip that's going to be coming up later this year. So I've talked to a few of you that have expressed interest in, in this type of thing. A lot of the answers will be starting to come out next Sunday at 4. So, so, so please come. It, in short, it was an absolutely incredible time. It was unbelievable. The, the scope of need that we witnessed there was far beyond anything I had ever seen in my life. And as a mission team, the organization that we were a part of there and the work that we got to do, I felt personally uh, more fulfilled in that expression of missions than in any other trip I've ever been on. We, we went to some out there places, remote villages where voodoo is still actively practiced. And we walked in there with the gospel of Jesus and led young kids to the Lord. We, we were able to go and be a, a blessing to uh, over a hundred orphans that, that, are, that are just left behind by this world as we interacted with them and just fell in love with them. We experienced some worship that, I've, that I have been so blessed to be a part of. As a matter of fact, I wasn't really going to do any sneak peeks, but uh, this, uh, this place where we stayed, this orphanage, had over 100 orphans there, and every morning they would wake up, and this was right outside of, our, of where we slept. They had a church that was built out of shipping containers. And a shipping container to the left, a shipping container to the right, and then one behind, and a metal roof attached to the top. So it was basically an open-air situation. And every morning at 6.30, they began their day with worship. And this is some of the sounds that we heard. So Haitian children praising the Lord. Some hymns we recognized instantly, some we didn't know. But what we did recognize also was the love of Christ that, that has been shared with the folks at this particular place and how we, we give that to these kids and send it out. It was absolutely amazing. So I, I thank you for your prayers and your support. The, the rest of the team from this church, uh, Steve Barsky, Bill Stevens, and Kirk McVeigh, the, these men were, were changed down there, and I can't wait for you to hear their stories. So please come and attend that next uh, at 4 o'clock. I also got a text message from Pastor Mike this morning. He said, I'm glad you're back. Now get over there and do a good job. <laughs> and then he said, rest assured, I have Illinois under control. So he sounds like he's having a great time too. So uh, what I was going to say before was, looking around, it, it doesn't look like or it does look like you guys did a pretty good job cleaning up in here after the party last week with none of the pastors here. Because I know Simon, I bet you he had this play. He's probably had people hanging from chandeliers and everything and, and, and going crazy in here and all kinds. You guys did a great job cleaning up for that. But now it's time to get down to business again, right? No, I heard, I heard Simon did a fantastic job. So I, I, I look forward to seeing him. I haven't talked to him yet. But we're going to talk today again about Jesus is a friend. And today we're going to talk about what kind of friend Jesus is. And today's sermon is this, that Jesus is a friend that forgives. He's a friend that forgives. Do you guys have a little video up there, or is that my imagination? Okay, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, did you guys get to hear the Jesus is a friend of mine song last week? Yeah, pretty hilarious. Vicky said, I'm not sure they got it at the 830 service. I don't know if they understood that was... That was kind of a humorous thing. But anyway, Jesus 
Last week, you heard about that Jesus is a friend who believes in you. Well, today we talk about the kind of friend that Jesus is. And Jesus is the kind of friend that forgives. Now, what you understand about this text that, that Vicky read to us about Simon Peter, Jesus, Jesus, you know, we would go, to, go ahead and say one of his best friends on the earth who makes this bold claim to Jesus in front of the disciples that no matter whatever happens, Peter will always be there for Jesus. Whatever happens, no matter whatever takes place, that Peter would never let Jesus down. And yet, perhaps, one of the things that Peter is known most for is the moment when, after the angry mob arrests Jesus and takes him away, the disciples scattered and, and sort of from a distance watched what was going on as their, as their Lord and Master and friend was being beaten and prepared for crucifixion. And the Scripture tells us that Peter stands away at a distance, warming himself at a fire, and a young servant girl recognizes him and calls him out and says, Hey, wait a second, I know you. You're one of his disciples. You're with him. And not once, not twice, but three times, just as the Lord predicted, Peter denies, even calling curses upon himself, denying that he even knows Jesus. What a, what a, what a moment. Now, when most people think about friendship, loyalty and trustworthy are usually two very important traits. And I want to ask you a question. How many of you today would choose to be friends with someone that you knew would abandon you in your worst moment? Probably not too many of you would do that, would you? This is exactly what happens with Jesus and Peter. You see, Peter's denial of Jesus is perhaps his most infamous moment, and what makes it all the more human is that at his greatest moments, Peter seems to be so strong, loyal, and dedicated to Jesus, doesn't he? I mean, it was Peter who, who stands up and makes this claim that he'll never abandon Jesus, even if it costs him his life. It was Peter who got out of the boat that stormy night to walk on the water toward Jesus. And it was Peter alone who, when the angry mob first showed up, took out a sword and, and tried to, to go after someone's head and actually cut the ear off a servant of the high priest. That's Peter. But even still, it is Peter who, when faced with the reality of his own death, three times denied even knowing Jesus. So what kind of friend is Peter? Well, the sermon series is not about what kind of friend Peter is, but rather what kind of friend Jesus is. And Jesus is the kind that forgives. More than that, Jesus is the kind of friend that chooses forgiveness to be his defining characteristic. It isn't just something that he does once or, or twice. It's the characteristic that defines Jesus. Now, it's no secret. Jesus knew about Peter's worst sin even when Peter was at his very best. Luke records a little bit more of the dialogue that takes place, and I'll show it to you on the screen from chapter 22, verse 31. We read these words. Simon, Simon, that's Peter's other name, Satan has asked to sift you all like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, Jesus is already talking about what happens after Peter's sin. And he's already decided to forgive Peter even before he sinned. That means that Jesus already knew about it. 
and still chose him. Jesus understands the difference between a person's moral failure and a person's failure of faith. Now, Satan appears to win this battle against Peter as he sifts him like wheat. But ultimately, as we'll see, Peter wins the war. Now, there are, as you, as you know, if you've heard this story or seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, there are two betrayers here. Of course, there is Peter, who we're speaking of, but the more famous betrayer of Jesus is Judas Iscariot, the one who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and led the angry mob to him and betrayed Jesus with a kiss. So two betrayers here. One will be forgiven and one will not. Now Jesus, Judas and, G- and Peter both betray Jesus. Judas and Peter both regret their actions. But Judas is not forgiven while Peter is restored. Why? Well, if you know the story a little bit more, it has to do with the position of their heart. You see, Judas tries to fix the issue himself. If you read a little bit more in the text, it tells us that after Judas sees what has happened and realizes what he's, what, what he's done, he has great regret in his heart, and he takes the 30 pieces of silver, and he runs back in to the, to the room where the high priests are, and he, he says, I have betrayed innocent blood, and he throws the money back at them. And they say, what is that to do with us? And he runs out past Jesus, so overcome by his grief and his guilt, he hangs himself. He hangs himself. The weight of his sin was too much. He tried in his own strength to atone himself. And when he realized that he could not, he ended his life. Now, what does Peter do differently? It says in the text that the moment the rooster crows, that Jesus and Peter lock eyes. And then it says that Peter runs out and wept bitterly. We don't know exactly where he goes, but we do know where he ends up, back with the disciples. Can you imagine how humiliated Peter must have been walking back into the presence of the men who knew the whole story? Can you imagine how broken he must have been to face them after they heard his bold declaration and then heard his cursings and denial of Jesus? Perhaps it would have been far easier for Peter just to to run away. Ashamed, unwilling ever to show his face again among the Christians. But something kept him there. Perhaps it was the reassuring words of Jesus to Peter. Whatever it was, we know that Peter humbled himself and found his way back. Because when Jesus rises from the dead and appears to the women at the tomb, he told them, go tell Peter and the disciples that I am alive. I love that he signals Peter out. Indeed, Jesus had something very special in store for Peter. You see, 
Satan appears to have won the war when after he sifts Peter like wheat, he fails in the moment, but because of what Jesus would do the next time he sees Peter, Peter would win the war. In John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17, we see this encounter that takes place after the resurrected Jesus appears to Peter. And they were eating breakfast along the beach, and it says, When he had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now what Jesus is doing here is remarkable, isn't it? The three denials of Peter are blotted out by three declarations of love. And thus, Peter is restored Two friends betrayed Jesus, one so overwhelmed with grief that he refused to turn back to Jesus and in his pride tried to bear the weight of his sin on his own and was crushed. The other was equally overcome by grief but humbled himself and turned back to Jesus and he was restored and even more, he was placed into a position of leadership. Jesus is a friend who forgives. He forgave Peter. He forgave me, and he'll forgive you. He'll forgive anyone who will humble themselves and turn back to him. So ask yourself the question this morning, who are you more like, Judas or Peter? When you are faced with the weight of your sin, are you overcome with grief? I I honestly hope that you are. May we never be people who minimize or excuse the severity of our sin. May we never treat it lightly. May we never act like it's no big deal. Our sin is a betrayal of Jesus. Our sin is selling Him out. And we should be grieved by it. Because if we don't start there, we miss the whole point of the gospel. Understand this. Jesus knew about Peter's sin even when Peter was at his best. And Jesus knows more about our sin than we ever will. He knows what's underneath it. He knows what's behind it. He knows the depth of it. He knows the worst part of us. And he loves us anyway. Jesus loves you more on your worst day than you think you deserve on your very best day. Because his forgiveness is not based on you at your best, but it's based on him at his best. Do you understand that? That is the gospel. That is the gospel message. And that's why Jesus is a friend who forgives. 
And he calls us to be people who extend his forgiveness to others. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The forgiveness of Christ has been offered to us and we are to therefore be people who let it pass right on through us out to others. Now I want to look a little bit more closely at what this forgiveness is like. Because forgiveness is essential to real friendship. It's essential to real friendship. And I want to talk about this forgiveness. First and foremost, the type of forgiveness that Jesus offers, it decides beforehand. It decides beforehand. Now, if you're going to be a real friend to someone like Jesus, listen to me, you must decide beforehand that you will forgive them. Expect people to let you down. Expect your friends and family and and those you're in relationship with to sin against you. Expect to be hurt and betrayed. And like Jesus, forgive and love anyway. If you're the kind of person that demands perfection and sinlessness in your relationships, let me tell you something. You will never have lasting, authentic friendship. Authentic relationship cannot be based on performance, but rather love, grace, and forgiveness. And this is why Jesus is always telling us to forgive each other. He wants us to have authentic relationships. Notice he decides before. He already knows what he's going to do when he's let down by his friends. And you and I need to do the same thing if we truly want to have that relationship. Are you you shocked and dismayed when another human being in relationship with you fails or sins or lets you down? Do you stand back and go, I can't believe that. Wake up. Recognize that people are human. Recognize that we're all fallen sinners. Even the people that you're in relationship with. And stop acting so surprised when they're not perfect every day of their life. Decide before that when those failures and letdowns and sins occur in the relationship that you're going to forgive. Because if you don't, one of two things is going to happen. Either every relationship you have will be cut off and severed or no one will feel the freedom to be authentic with you. They'll always feel like they have to put a show on for you. They'll always feel like they have to cover up their weaknesses and and only show you the best side of them. You'll never have deep, meaningful conversations because anything that has to do with a weakness or or a sin on their part, they will keep it hidden from you because they know that you'll be the kind of person that will cut them off or judge them harshly the moment that you find out who they really are. Your best friends, your authentic friends are the ones who know you everything inside and out and choose to love you anyway. That's the kind of friend Jesus wants you to be. That's the kind of friend he is to us. So his forgiveness, it decides beforehand. The second thing, as you can see there, is that it's offered freely. Jesus' forgiveness is offered freely. Now, unlike the way that the world works, Jesus offers his forgiveness freely. This means that we don't have to try to make up for what we've done in order for Jesus to forgive us. We don't have to earn it. It's given freely. It's it's important to remember that when someone is truly humbled and broken over their sin, 
That's not the time to punish and shame them. If we do so, we run the risk of pushing them away forever. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and there's a section where he's giving them instructions about how to deal with a brother who had fallen in sin. And he says to them, look, it's enough already. Whatever punishment that's been inflicted on him, it's enough. He gets it. He's humbled. He's repented. Now stop bringing it up to him. Bring him back. Receive him. Or he may become so overcome with grief that he runs away and never comes back. You see, Jesus offers that forgiveness freely. We must always remember that as Jesus said, the measure of mercy we give out is the same measure that we will get from God. Don't make people grovel at your feet when they've sinned against you. Don't make them launch into a sermon about how they know what they did was wrong and how sorry they am and here's why. Don't repeat that over and over and make sure that they, that they you know, express to you the depth of their pain over and over and over again. Get off your high horse and freely offer forgiveness. Because the truth is, you and me, we need it also, don't we? Jesus' forgiveness is also, thirdly, as you see, there offers, he's offered it completely. Once Jesus forgave Peter, he never brought it up again. He doesn't use Peter's sin as a weapon against him. He doesn't use it to keep Peter down. He doesn't even allow Peter's sin to define their relationship. It's not based on, well, this is my friend Peter, you know, the one who betrayed me that I forgave. This is him. That's not the defining characteristic of their relationship anymore. Jesus has forgiven him never to bring it up again. It's offered completely. And he certainly doesn't let Peter's sin keep him from becoming vulnerable to him again. See, that's what it means to forgive someone completely. It means that you refuse to let their sin keep them in your debt. You know, there are some people who just love it when others owe them something because it makes them feel powerful. I remember having a conversation with a guy one time who said, look, I, I, you know, I always want to make sure that I've done more for my friends than they've done for me. I just want to keep it that way. So if you go out to eat, he wants to make sure that he's bought your dinner more than you bought his. If, if, if you've needed something and he's needed, he always wants to make sure that he's given you more than you've given him. And I asked him why one time. He just says, I just, I just can't deal with the guilt of ever owing anybody anything. I can't stand owing somebody something. See, there are some people who, when you go out to dinner with them, they pick up the check because they're just generous. There are others who pick up the check because you picked it up last time and it's their turn. And then there are others who pick up the check because they want you to recognize that, they're, that, that you owe them. That's not how Jesus is. See, that scenario plays itself out in relationship to forgiveness and relationships all the time. It's called keeping score. And for some people who keep score, it's crucial that the other person in the relationship is always just a step or two behind them, isn't it? 
Because that way, they will never have to feel responsible or obligated to do anything. So there's always this, this push and pull back of, of keeping score. Well, okay, you did this for me while I was on vacation, so now I've got to do that for you twice, and, and this and that. And, and, and all. it can be exhausting, isn't it, for people in relationships who keep score. Well, you said two nasty things to me last week, and I only said one to you. You, you didn't take the trash out last week, so I did it for you. I'm up on you. You know how people can be sometimes. I can be like that sometimes. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't keep score? Aren't you glad that when the Bible describes the love of God, it says this is a love that keeps no record of wrongs? Aren't you glad you don't have to play that game with Jesus? Hey, guess what? You don't have to play that game with anybody. When you offer forgiveness the way that God does, it's offered completely. The forgiveness of Jesus is offered to you and me freely and completely. The only question left before us today is will we humble ourselves so that we can receive it? Or will we ignore, excuse, or make light of our sin and act like we don't need to be forgiven anyway? Even worse, will we bear the weight of our sin on our own and think, nope, Jesus, I got myself into this mess. I'll have to just deal with it and get myself out of it. I did some bad stuff, Jesus, so now don't worry. I got this. I'll I'll make up for it. I'll fix it. I'll take care of it. Don't do that. I've done that. It's crushing. It's oppressive because you learn to realize that no matter what you do, you can't take things back. You can't fix it on your own. That's why you need Jesus. See, right now, Jesus knows the worst things that you will ever do. And he chooses to extend friendship toward you right now in spite of it. Now, maybe you're hearing this and you feel confident like Peter used to. Feel like, oh no, I got this. Jesus is praying for you that even though at some point in time you will experience some moral failure, he's praying that your faith may not fail. And I would also submit that Peter's denial of Jesus at the campfire was probably not his first. We've all sinned, we've all betrayed Jesus, even the best of us. Now, maybe you're hearing this and you feel the weight of your sin. Something in your life that you've done is crushing you and you feel like you're unforgivable. You feel like nothing you can do can ever make up for it. I can relate to that. Be encouraged today that Jesus is a friend who forgives you freely and completely. Stop letting your grief and your shame keep you away Stop letting your shame and your grief keep you from the disciples and ultimately from Jesus. There's somebody here or out there on the internet who needs to hear this message. It's time to turn back. Jesus is waiting to restore you. Your time away is long enough. Stop hiding. Stop beating yourself up. Stop trying to fix it and rest in the arms of the loving, forgiving Savior. Now, I need to say one more thing, which, of course, means about 15 things. Some of you may hear this message and go, oh, okay, great. Jesus is a friend who forgives. I guess that means I just don't have to change. I guess I can just keep doing whatever I want to do because he'll always forgive me, right? 
If that's our attitude, then let me tell you something. We need a different sermon. Because if that's your attitude, then you haven't really been grieved over your sin. You haven't even got as far as Judas yet. However, the initiating, forgiving love of God is what motivates us in a way that fear or guilt or shame cannot. In short, we change because we have been forgiven, not so that we have been forgiven or so that we can be forgiven. Do you understand the difference? Let me illustrate quickly with a a story from Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 49. It's a familiar story, but you might hear it in a different way today. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, Well, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said, To Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Who is this who forgives sins? His name is Jesus. And he's the best friend you'll ever have. Let's pray together. God, many, many of us have experienced your forgiving power, Lord. And at times it can be overwhelming, Lord, the love that we recognize that we've received. So, Lord, may that love that has been given to us change us and God, for those of us who have still yet to grieve over our sin, Father, I pray that your Spirit's power would begin to to lean into us heavily, Lord, that we might feel the, the, the weight of it, not so we may fix it ourselves, but so that we may bow before you in forgiveness. And Lord, I pray today for those who need to come back to you, for those who've allowed themselves to bear that weight on their own, Lord, 
speak loudly to their hearts and it's time to stop running and time to start kneeling. And Lord, may we be people who are so grateful and appreciative of the love that we've been given, the forgiving power that's come to us. And may we just as freely, just as completely decide right now that we're going to forgive others. That's who we want to be, Jesus. Like you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a look at this video. Hi, I'm Tom Padley. I love the Lord and First United Methodist Church of Marion. There are many reasons that Joan and I give money to the church. One ministry that I'm particularly excited about is the education ministry. When our girls were young, we appreciated the great Sunday school and youth programs that were available for them. And the adult classes, disciple Bible study, and the small group that we have participated in have helped our faith to grow stronger. I'm so grateful that the church encourages and supports this ministry. I consider giving to the church to support these ministries as part of my worship. Now, I invite you to join me in worshiping God in this way.